When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners Well podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Wow, and me, <laughs> Ben Hobson. It's all about being surprised by your own name. Oh, well done. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's me and, and Ben. Um, today we're speaking with Sam Murphy about how to run your best marathon. I'm going to say, you know, legend. Legend of the marathon. Legend of the game. Yeah, true. A true. former col- columnist for the mag. Yeah. Long term, like a 10 year stint. Yeah. You get, you get less for murder, don't you? <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Sam's, Sam's an absolute knowledge. Uh, yeah. So this is this is a good one in terms of all of you out there who are taking on the marathon, be it brand new or experienced, but looking for a bit more mm. insight. Mm. This, is, this is for everyone. This isn't just like, oh, it's January. Let's try and get some beginners over the start yeah. line. This is everything. I was picking up new tips today and I was particularly like the base phase. Yeah, absolutely. Base phase. And there's some surprising stuff in there, isn't there? I think that... um, Base phase and mileage early doors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which was very interesting. Um, In your marathon experience, Mm. which is vastly greater than mine, uh, what have you found that's worked for you training? What what was the sort of... Have you got any hot takes? Any life hacks when it comes to... Oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I agree with Sam that putting too much emphasis on a long run that is increasing the whole time... For me, I think I've got quite a, a large injury risk, particularly with like lots of yeah, yeah. longer running. Yeah. So I did, I did quite a lot of quality, probably more quality than um, than a lot of people would do. So, and I think my longest run was probably only about might have been eighteen miles. I might have done that twice. But having said that, I was going into that marathon fit, so I was so I was I was starting that train block where I was like yeah. I'd done quite a lot of cross country stuff. I'd got I, I got close to three hours before before kind of before wanting to wanting to break three hours um so it was kind so I, I felt like I was just I was getting closer and I didn't need to pull out anything magical on the day it was just kind of like I'd done some hard racing quite a lot of quality work and mm. um so yeah so I, so I think taking some of the emphasis off the long run and including maybe a bit more speed than some people might think isn't the worst way to approach it and I think that part of this is all about Anyone can do a marathon. That's that's a, a proven fact, I would yeah, say, by yeah. just looking at you know the people who enter in the fields yeah. complete it. Um, but I think from a performance point of view, it's all about discovering the method that works best for you. Definitely, and Definitely. and I think that that's what you know this method, but which Sam talks through, might not actually work for a couple of people. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, given you know, some people might thrive just by gym work and. Lots of quality, yeah, and they'll yeah. get around just doing it that way. But it's uh, it's definitely a really, really interesting conversation we have her about different approach. Yeah, I think so, and it's, be- and it's backed up by decades of experience and oh. science. We're not. And we're she's not- tried it. Sam's yeah, been yeah. through the. She's you know any methods of possible 
whatever you yeah, know yeah, approaches yeah, yeah. she's like this is you know a few years ago she talks about this one being this way or this one being yeah, this yeah, way yeah it's 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 an assimilation of decades of yeah knowledge and stuff like that yeah so. i think i think it's, it's it's a really good it's a really good plan to be to be thinking about and it's all in her book isn't it um she's got a great book how to run your best marathon yeah um how is your own running going ben you've got a few races in the diary what's going on well, yeah, true. I do. I do have a race in the diary. Still, it's still in there. I haven't rubbed it out yet. <laughs> it's cold. I quite like running in the cold. Yeah, I don't mind either. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. No, well, that tick that of one. Of all the activities, all the sporting activities. Yeah, ours is the best when it comes to cold. Um, cold. Yeah, agreed. Apart from like snow sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of warming yourself up, I, yeah. was, um, I haven't got that much time for the "it's too cold to run" argument. If Ooh, I'm honest, like it. If I'm honest, when. And if do you wear leggings? I mean, I have worn them, but it's. I feel like you, I, you, you don't like go right. It's it's under five degrees. No, no, I no. I will now just wear. Work and that's leggings. just me. But like, I think there's a case of wearing them if you were like out on the trails. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Kind of like exposed environments. Mm -hmm. Like might be out for hours. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't put them on for like you know the thirty minute easy run. But each to their own. I would. Yeah. Yeah, it's cold. Because <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> um, uh, what about you? How's your running? Yeah, it's all right. I've signed up for the... Um, uh, so I'm doing the Canterbury 10 miler nice. this month. Mm -hmm. um, and then doing the Orion 15. Yeah. A classic of the genre. It is a classic of the genre. So 15 miles of m mud around Epping Forest. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've been going for many years and mm. I've kind of had my eye on it. I thought, oh, that's a great race. That's a good old school race. I'd like to have a go at it. And then... Um, uh, a mate of mine, Brendan, signed sign me up. So, going to take part. Well, I mean, it's, it's my neck of the woods, mate. I'll come either cheer you on or I could join you, I suppose. Yeah, either one. Either, either one. one. Um, right, should we get Sam on? Let's do it. Let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio or a complete our guest this week is a hugely respected author and runner whose latest book, Run Your Best Marathon, looks at the art and science of mastering the 26.2 mile distance. Sam Murphy, welcome back to the Runs World podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for, for, for coming back on. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's kind of marathon time, isn't it? A lot of people are thinking about that. They probably signed up for a spring marathon, perhaps. Yes. You know, wisely, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and I may be looking for some expert advice. We thought, who better than we'll get you on to talk about... Um, marathon training because obviously it's, it's your latest book's all about that so could we start with um before you begin a marathon plan do you think that you should be able to tick off certain things from a fitness perspective i like do you think you should go into a marathon plan like having never run or would ideally you already be able to run a certain distance before entering a marathon plan in your opinion yeah, well, in, in my opinion, I know it doesn't always make me very popular, <laughs> but I do think that um, it's important that you that you have got um, probably the, the sort of half marathon distance under mm. your belt, because there's a really good reason for that. If you haven't run more than sort of seven or eight miles or, or perhaps even less than that before, you're going to spend so much of that marathon build up you know, gradually trying to add on one or two miles every week to get up to the point where, you know, you're going to reach your longest ever distance that you've ever mm. run. You know, maybe it's 18 miles or 20 miles. And, and that's going to be maybe three weeks before you're going to run the longest race you've ever run in your life. And to, to sort of, you know, weigh everything up to that end, push every 
uh, you know, challenge up to that sort of final point of the training yeah. just before the race just seems to be, you know, a recipe for disaster from my perspective. So I think it's really important that I'm not talking about having to, you know, run a fantastic half marathon, mm. but I think that for you to be able to go out and run 12, 13 miles um, and do so whatever the pace is, but to do so sort of reasonably comfortably so you don't literally have to sort of take to your bed for three or four <laughs> days afterwards yeah. is a really good place to begin your marathon training. So you've already got a good base of endurance um, on which you're going to build in that first phase of tr- phase of training. Mm. Uh, before we get into the base as well, I mean, I guess that sort of sense of fitness and that won't means that you'll probably enjoy it a bit more rather yeah. than... Um, and I'm not sure, Sam, if you can tell us, but the people you coach, I mean, the, the experience of a completely like zero to marathon versus like mildly experienced runner through to marathon is a is probably a much more enjoyable experience. Yeah. And there's no need to rush the process. I think there is, you know, it's great that so many people want to take on the marathon now, but, you know, we shouldn't be elitist about it and think that other race distances mm. don't hold their own merits you know I think I was reading something by Steve Magnus um, who's one of my favorite coaches the other day who was saying you know we shouldn't even sniff at the 5k yeah. you know it's it takes a lot of of good training and, uh, and focus to run a good 5k and we shouldn't just always think that the bigger the distance you know the harder the challenge or the better the challenge or whatever so you know taking time to build up to running a good half marathon is going to not only set you in really, really good stead for a good marathon, but it's also a good achievement in itself. And I think you'll go into the marathon training with a lot more confidence if you know that you have, you know, aced the half marathon. You've really, like, Rick's face lit up then. Rick, Rick's favourite, like, sort of <laughs> enters a room and asks a question standpoint is, what's harder, training, for a, tra- training to complete a marathon or to run your fastest 5K ever? Oh, it's definitely the latter. Sam will agree with me on that. Well, it's, that's obviously what you've you've achieved recently. <laughs> no, no, I, I wish I that, but um, I agree with you. I think we we tend to um, over um, emphasize distance and think that distance is the thing that you've got to aim for. Whereas actually, yeah, speed, whatever speed means to to, to you, is actually just as hard and just as worthy. Um, but the base. We, yes, let's talk about the base. Yes, I thought you were going to do some a little baseline. No, then. no, no. Okay, we can put that in as the edit. Um, we often hear about building a base. So in terms of when you're talking about marathon training plans, what does building a base, what are some of the elements that that includes? So really the base is about volume. So um, it's about the amount of running that you're doing. So we're totally not interested in intensity at this point. We're just thinking about, you know, how many miles can we comfortably and sensibly include in the training week so obviously the best way to maximize that is to run those miles a really easy comfortable pace so you don't want to be challenging yourself in terms of uh, you know how hard the runs feel it's got to really be about trying to build the length of the runs but also the the, the, the number of runs so that you're kind of building up to um, your close to the maximum weekly distance that you're going to run throughout your marathon training. So this is a this is actually a, an approach that I only really took on probably over the last five years. You know, I sort of followed the the accepted wisdom of, of, you know, building up to your longest run, say, you know, up to maybe four weeks before the mm. race. But but you know, when I kind of came across this this other approach, 
it it did really seem to make sense to me the idea that you know why would you leave your longest runs at, at the sort of back end of the program when you're going to be right on top of the race itself and to actually try to get to the point where you're going to be able to reach that distance much sooner in the plan so you've already ticked off you know an 18 or a 20 mile run much earlier in the game and you can then back off from that focus on some other things come back revisit that long distance again maybe add a little bit more on back off again you know focus on on some lactate threshold and some other types of training and then come back and hit that again so you are going to hit it a number of times throughout the overall marathon program but it's not about doing you know 16 and 18 and 20 and Mm. then 21 and you know week after week of these like ever building runs which is much more likely to leave you you know fatigued but also is going to increase your risk of injury Mm. so keeping that that sort of initial build up to the base phase of the program to so you are building distance but you're not also throwing in intensity as Mm. well it's very interesting, like actually. That. Yeah, me too. Because I think that that's probably a, a large part of what people find daunting about a marathon plan is that they look to like weeks. If you're doing a 12-week, 16-week plan, they look to week 10 or whatever and they go, oh, God, I've got to run, as you say, 18 miles, 21 miles, or these these big long Sundays. And yeah, that yeah. cumulative effect is quite like, oh, I've got this is going to be exhausting. Whereas if you remove all that pressure and just sort of like, as you say, I mean, it, it's still fairly daunting early doors in a plan to have distance, mm. but to but to absolutely, like, it's not yeah. about any other work. It's not about intensity. This is purely a, a mileage kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. It really... Yeah, exactly. And it does, it does sort of tie in with that first point about whether you need to be at a certain stage before you take on a plan. And, you know, I've I, in my book, I have gone down that road of saying, you know, I know you might want to throw the book across the room, but I want you to be able to do 12 or 13 mm. miles and not just have done it once so you can tick, tick the box, but to be comfortable running that distance before you start. So then when you get to, say, 16 miles, three or four weeks in, you can do it. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to feel effortless no. or easy, but you can do it. So then when you've got to, you know, 18 or 20 miles, you don't have to just you know, keep on building or, oh, you know, the race is in three weeks time. You can take some time away from that, focus on some of the other aspects of fitness that we need to work on to run a good marathon and then keep coming back to that longer distance. So you're not going to lose the fitness that you've gained from doing those longer runs, but you're also not just going to pound into it every single week and need to keep on going up and up and up. And I think that's the thing that, you know, people are often so fixated on their long run and, you know, they, they kind of come to a training session in the week and they're sort of limping or, oh, I can't really run any speed tonight because <laughs> yeah. this is hurting. And I've got to do my 20 mile run on Sunday. Yeah. And you're like, well, if it's hurting now, yeah. you know, you really don't want to be yeah, thinking yeah. about doing your 20 mile run. And But it's such a sort of sacred thing to get all of those long runs and not miss any any of them. And I think people really do believe that if they miss a long run, you know, that it's going to cause a massive you know, impact on their overall training program. And the truth is, you know, we're all going to miss runs through a build-up to marathon. It's just, that's just the way life is. And, and you know, we're not elite athletes living the life of, you know, with a, a whole team of support yeah. people coming yeah. to feed napping. us and massage us. <laughs> yeah, there's, and no, there's no midday us. napping, is there? <laughs> no. no. One, of the, one of the surprising elements, I think, for people, and I think that you subscribe to this, and I, I believe this is a Steve Magnus thing as well, but it's, it's talking about a speed base Sam, can you talk about that? Because I think for some people, 
the idea of a speed base will be new or seem a little bit counterintuitive, I think. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm really, I really was excited by the idea of the speed base. So just as, you know, the base training is, is, you know, traditionally we're thinking about you know, running very sort of slow and easy and that we're, we're, we're building, you know, like a, the base of a pyramid, really. And then on top of that, we'll build more intense runs, um, which will be shorter and we're getting more intense and shorter as you go up the, the intensity sort of scale. So the speed base is really kind of working almost the other way around. So when we're looking at doing kind of VO2 max training, um, you know, the typical sort of track intervals or, or, or um, you know, two two minute intervals that we might be running um you know a vo2 max pace going for you know real sort of near maximal effort um that we're, we're we're sort of going into that without really having any any sort of having touched on any pure speed so where we're really really focusing on um those type two muscle fibers which are your real sort of um anaerobic sprint fibers really right. um and so the, the great thing about combining the speed base with the endurance base is that although the effort is very, very high, I mean, it's maximal effort really to do to do eight, 10 second sprinting, but it's not really very exhausting on the body because it's so short. Mm. Um, you might have noticed that, you know, when you, you, you sprint sort of for 10 seconds and you don't have that same sort of breathing that you would have if you just run a 5K, um, because it's working a totally different energy system. Yeah. Um, and so why would you do that? Well, 
using those the, the, the muscle fibers that are engaged when you're doing maximal work is really like kind of recruiting a team of temps who you might not need now, but there's going to be times during your running where you are going to need those temps to come in from the agency and help you out because <laughs> you're a bit overworked in the in the type one endurance fibers department. So you're like, okay, we need to call in the temp team. And the temp team have already done some training. So they're kind of ready to come in. And and this this muscle, this fiber cycling, you know, when one muscle fiber's tired, that another one can come in and take over. This really comes into its own during very prolonged exercise like marathon running. So you're in a way you're building your team mm. Um, to call upon when times get hard, and you're also going to be able to use those those um, sprint um, those sort of sprint qualities that you've built up in in other little aspects like trying to surge past somebody, mm. maybe if it's on a narrow course, or get to the, the last ten to yards the finish line just before that <laughs> clock turns to a different yeah. time. You know, um, so we can combine the speed base by doing very very small amounts of very very high intensity work which are not going to fatigue your body in the same way that you would be fatiguing your body if you were doing more traditional yeah. sort of longer duration speed work. I like that. It's good, isn't it? It's a hack. It's a little bit of a hack. It's kind of the sound. And also it reminded me, Sam, actually of a, of a podcast that we did a while back, which was talking about the benefits of doing some sprinting for things like bone density. Mm. Yeah, and absolutely. Like that. And it, you know, so uh, there's one yeah. for people to listen back to if they haven't to. But it was, you know, you're you're, you're not just benefiting your your marathon performance here. You're doing some some good for the for the bones as well and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Yeah, and I think it also just adds something. It's variety. Mm. You know, when you're doing those like long, um, you know, easy runs. You know, it's not challenging in terms of pace. But to 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 have a session where you're doing those little hill sprints, or they they gradually progress to flat sprints. It, it, it's just a totally different challenge and that's quite mentally refreshing as well as as physically refreshing and and really valuable and the sprint that's the sprint sort of brings us nicely into strength strength work because there's a bit yeah. of obviously with some hill sprints very hard efforts you can kind of replicate a bit of strength work with those sorts of things but there obviously would need to be i mean some sort of gym-based perhaps strength conditioning work like that where does that fit in with you and your idea of sort of per running your best marathon yeah I think um strength work is really important for you know every level of of marathon runner you know it's it's a it's a injury prevention is probably the mm. biggest reason but also per performance improvement I think starting with the injury prevention side of things so for people who don't do any strength work at all um, I would keep the first, while you're doing the, the base phase, I would keep it to quite um, a sort of low intensity strength training. So in the book, I've got a, a kind of foundation program. So it's really just about um, using your own body weight to improve core stability um, and balance and and just sort of general strength and mobility so it's quite a, a, a sort of generalized and uh, simple program to follow um, but if somebody's already doing strength training then they they don't need to sort of go back to that that they'll already be more accustomed and so they can um, include some um, strength training so yeah I'm not really a big fan of the kind of oh I'm going to be using my legs over and over again so I'm going to do hundreds of reps with a really low weight mm. I mean that, that the science doesn't really support that as being the most beneficial way to strength train even um, for marathon runners 
Uh, so we're really looking at, at doing, I suppose it's quite the traditional format of strength training, you know, two or three sets of, um, you know, somewhere between eight and 12 mm. reps so that when you're getting to those last couple of reps, that it feels really, really difficult, but you can get to that, that sort of level um, and then resting between sets, you might want to go and do another exercise to be more time productive rather than just sitting and yeah, waiting your, for the time phone, to pass yeah, before yeah. you get on to the next one. Um, so I've, I really recommend doing strength training. Um, I've, I've included some plyometric exercises. So plyometrics, um, for anyone who doesn't know, you know that, that we're making use of the stretch shortening cycle. So that sort of um, elastic energy that comes from the tendons lengthening um, and that's been shown to be really beneficial mm. to running performance but again it is quite high um, uh, it's quite a high intensity quite demanding type of training so I would keep the that t to a, a time when you're you know when you're a little bit more accustomed to strength training I wouldn't go straight into doing that recommending mm. that yeah. um, in the sort of early days particularly you I think the good way to think about it I don't know if we're going to talk about uh, sort of kind of slightly external factors like nutrition and recovery and stuff I don't know if we'll have time to talk about those today but I do sometimes talk about this stress pot you know you've got a pot and the stresses that go in that include you know your life stress mm. so it might be you know your job it might be you know sort of commuting getting around it might be family stresses um, and then your training is also a stress, you know, even though you might enjoy it some of the time, yeah. <laughs> it is still a stress on the body. And so as you've added this stress of training, you've got to kind of think about what, you know, what else, you know, something's got to give at some point. So unless you're going to be able to up the other side of the, of the weighing scales, if you like, you know, and actually work harder on your nutrition on your recovery practices, on getting enough sleep and all those sorts of things, then you're going to have to think, well, what stress can mm. I not add? Because I'm going to have to have this training stress at the moment. So it gives you a good way of thinking about what, you know, what to add and what not to add. So, you know, you might think, well, this is, you know, I'm doing this training, I'm doing a bit of strength and conditioning, and I've heard that the plyometrics is really great. Maybe I should start doing that as well. Well, just think about whether this is the right time to do that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's almost an endless amount of stuff that you in a perfect world you could do. If we, if we looked at like the next phase, which I think we're going to call the development phase. So we've done, we've done some base work. The development phase, we're looking to build both endurance and speed, I guess. What, what role would something like lactate threshold running? Can you give us a definition of what that is and why lots of people, I think yourself included, think that that's particularly relevant to marathon training? Yeah, yeah. So lactate threshold, um, well, the lactate threshold itself is the point where your muscles are not able to clear the lactate that naturally accumulates as as uh, as you work at an increasingly hard intensity of exercise. So your body is always producing lactate, like all the time. Even as we sit here now, we're producing lactate, mm. but it's just cleared away. You know, it's a very sort of um, relaxed process. And then as you get to higher intensities of exercise, that lactate starts to collect in in, in the muscles more. And at some point you'll get you'll, you'll you'll reach a point where the the little people with the brooms aren't clearing <laughs> it out fast enough from the muscles. I, I do like to have these little visualizations no, it's, it's, yeah, of all really these people doing these little jobs around around my body. Um, and so it starts to collect, and that creates a very acidic environment, um, which hampers the way muscles function. 
Um, and that's, that's what creates those feelings of, um, you know, sometimes you get a, a kind of um, a really breathlessness, mm. a sort of extreme breathlessness where you might hear a little bit of a, I'm going to do an example now. <laughs> that kind of you know like slightly tuneful note in the in the breathing Um, and you can also feel it in the muscles themselves so it could feel that they've just gone to jelly or sometimes it can be the opposite and feel that they've turned almost to concrete you know it's really really hard to keep moving them at, at, at the same rhythm as you were before so that's the lactate threshold and so what the research has shown is that if we can train at a point that's just below that level, that that helps to nudge the threshold upwards. And that's why it's the most useful form of training for any race that's sort of 30 minutes upwards. Mm. It's it's one of the most useful um, types of training that we can do. So typically that will be... Um, a pace that is sort of around 10k pace. I mean, one of the definitions people use is that it should be a pace that you could maintain for about an hour in race conditions. Right, okay. So if your if your 10k is nearer to sort of 40, 45 minutes, then it's going to be a little bit slower than your usual 10k mm. pace. But if your 10k is is closer to the hour, then it will probably be around the same okay. yeah. as your 10k yeah. pace. So, um, but another good way of thinking about it is just uh, is um, that it's it's comfortably hard. So you know you're going to be able to do it for for an hour. Mm. It's many people do their lactate training just far far too fast. Right. You know, think could I maintain this for an hour in you know it, with the adrenaline of a race and with a bit of focus and so it should feel hard, but it's comfortably hard. It's not out of control, ragged breathing and all those kinds of things. Right, that's good. That's really how it should feel. When you're when you're running, so this is part of a sort of key metric for the development phase. This is where we've taken. What would you say the the base phase, Sam? What do you think? Like time? Is there a specific time for that, or is it just more how long you've got? Do you mean got... a, fra- a, t- a time frame for the length? Yeah, of it? kind of. Is it? Is it? Do you yeah. need to? Is there? A, is there a very a real quantifier or a, or a, you know where you can go actually the base phase is definitely done for me like i can i've done my distance and i've and i've reached that target or is it sort of just a you know a feeling well, inside I, yeah I mean, <laughs> a warm sensation yeah, like, it's not it's not always an ideal world is it um i think you, you you need to leave sort of six to eight weeks for your base phase but you know if you think if you work backwards from the date of your mm. race and you think well i've got i don't know 12 weeks until the race well you're not going to be able to give eight weeks to the base phase because you haven't got time to do that and still allow other things in there so you might have to sort of shorten that a little bit but so in the programs in my book the first timers always get eight weeks for the base phase just to spread out that build up of those long runs a little bit more and the experienced runners get six weeks Um, but I think that's you know, another thing I talk about a lot is about bringing yourself into the equation in the book. You know, this idea that you can't just kind of go and pluck a sub-330 programme off the shelf yeah. and then expect, if you follow it, everything's going to just turn out at 329. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it, it just that, that's just not how it works because you have to think about what you're bringing to it, your experience, your previous um, experience of marathons, your fitness level, your injury propensity, how much time you've got to train, mm. uh, what your, you know, your mental focus is like, all of those things are going to, are going to kind of come into that. And you might be somebody who responds to training very quickly, um, sees improvements very quickly. 
you might be someone who takes a bit longer and and so the more you get to know about yourself as a runner mm. the more you can put that information into your into adapting any plan to better suit your own personal and unique needs yeah, that's great mm. and then so when the base is finished we're into this development phase lactate threshold we've wor- we're working out what's what's hard now in terms of like, yes. like what, what the, the sort of metabolic and uh, I guess anaerobic changes that need to be made by the the body in terms of more effort and and how that yeah. gets yeah well we're still we're still aerobic right. we're still aerobic in 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 lactate threshold um, I mean all the training that we're doing we're still going to stay aerobic apart from that stuff in in the develop uh, in the uh, base phase when we're doing that 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 maximal sort of sprint work and we do revisit that a little bit just to kind of um you know keep keep the hand mm. in really just uh keep those muscle fibers um Happy. responsive keep the temp, temp yeah. workers going yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah keep on a retainer nice. <laughs> so i'm aware that we've we've also got a part two yeah this is a two-parter a two-parter so we'll have to leave people on a great kind of cliffhanger ben what uh, what Tune in for the next episode to find about about, about your de- development phase. To and find out exactly what time you'll run for a marathon. Yeah, to, to the to the very second. What's the final phase? It's the specific phase, Ben. Right. So we're going to do. So episode two is uh, more development specifics. Exactly. And then we can talk maybe about the recovery that Sam mentioned as well. Exactly. There's so much. There's so much. Don't miss it. Oh my god. Next week. Episode two. I'm excited. Okay. Ooh. So we've left it on a cliffhanger. What Huge happens in the de- developmental phase that's coming up? And the specific phase. Oh my god. You're gonna have to listen next week, everyone. This is what we do now. We're just masters of suspense. That's it. Who did it? Was it the pacemaker? <laughs> um, yeah. So we got the. Uh, you've got Sam back next week to talk about yeah this the sort of second half of marathon training so if you like this one tune in next week and uh thanks very much for listening you can subscribe to three issues of runners world for just five pounds go to runnersworld.com slash uk slash podcast offer to get this exclusive listener offer uh, it's a brand new year 2024 people why not get a whole year subscription to runners world i think that sounds like a great way to start your year and maybe a mate's subscribe for a mate it's not that much money just get them the magazine too and you can have like a magazine club and you all sit around together and read it like a book club but just for magazine just for just for runners world magazine so it's actually a fantastic franchise we should get onto that tell the people to do that uh thank you for listening uh you'll hear from us next week which will be the second part of this episode so it's actually really really good idea all right bye even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 